Welcome back to another episode of B Hall Radio. This is episode 55, and we got a special guest coming back to co-host. We got Jordan Tom in the house. His hair is a little bit longer. He's a little bit wiser, a little bit more out of the military. Um, and as our guest tonight, we have 1998 graduate Colonel Ryan Seagraves. He was a uh, four-year four-year wrestler for the Army team, active duty Army officer, currently serving at the Army War College, and uh, 17 and a butt days from submitting his retirement. Welcome to the show, Colonel Seagraves. Thanks, B. Rowe. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, baby. gonna be fun. What were you gonna say? I said, let's get it going. <laughs> yeah, so um, we were on it. So my first interaction with you, we were on a, uh, a Zoom call that uh, Coach Ward put together for like the, the point of contacts for each of the classes. And I remember just how excited you were about like, you're like, I love army wrestling. I love the army. Uh, so then when, you, when I find out you're like so excited about retiring, I'm like, wait, why did we do this? No, I'm just teasing. But yeah, uh, Brad Fenske, he recommended you on here. So yeah, you know, we definitely, uh, when people recommend people, we definitely want to have them on too. So just uh, added to getting you on the show. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to be here and uh you know, I'd, I'd say I, I thank Brad, but, you know, you don't really, you can't really, I never was able to really thank Brad with a threat because, you know, he normally would thump you. He pretty much thumped everybody in the room. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, 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 he's one of the nicest men I have ever met in my life off the mat, on the mat. He's um, not a nice human being. <laughs> uh, so but we can talk about that later he was a lot more i didn't realize he was that personable like he's he seems like very quiet and when he came on the show he was very like he seemed very social and personal i was like whoa i didn't know like i didn't get that impression of when i knew him as like uh he was a he was there on faculty when i was um a cadet so it was yeah so he, he and he's his personalities you're not mistaken in thinking of that when he was when we were cadets together he was very very quiet very reserved um, and then we were together for a year at Command and General Staff College, and he was much more interactive. Uh, I don't know, you know. Let's just say I, I think Brad was just—he's focused in a good way. Uh, <laughs> well, so. uh, well, this episode is not about Brad Fenske. This episode. There is you about go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us about the work college. So you've been there for a little while now. You know, you're going to be there for like another year. Uh, that's this is the first time we've ever talked about the war college on here. So before we get started about your journey. Tell us a little bit about that, kind of what you're doing. Let's get into that. Yeah, so I came here uh, in the summer of 2018 to be a student at the War College. And it was pretty evident once I got back to, I'm a Pennsylvania native, so it was pretty evident to me once I got back and I'm close, you know, 90 minutes away from all my friends and family uh in whether it's in allentown pennsylvania or my brothers in coatesville pa and or an uncle in state college and uh it's it pretty clear to me i was never leaving again uh after, while i was a student so thankfully i did well enough in in the school that i was able to get a job on the faculty afterwards and this will be my last assignment so yeah First of October, the retirement papers are going in for a one October 22 retirement. So, and with all the like the special leave accruals uh, with COVID and everything, they're letting you carry over more than 60 days. So I'm, I'm going to be like done in like May, which is pretty awesome. 
So that's no time away. Yeah. And we're not, you know, I'm not moving. So, which is really great that I can really, you know, things like summer vacations can actually be a real thing in my family pretty soon. You know, it's, it's, and not be moving every summer. So that's a nice thing. So yeah, I teach uh, primarily in the distance education program, but I do some things with the resident course too. In fact, I'm getting ready to take a resident seminar to Gettysburg for their staff ride down there. And then, uh, and then I just, you know, I'm coaching, I coach football and wrestling. I coach a seventh and eighth grade football team. Uh, I do the defensive backs and the, and the running backs. And then I, I coach wrestling too at the, in the Cumberland Valley school district. So very fun. Doing That's awesome. Normal, doing normal stuff now. So yeah, was, for there sure. a, was there pushback? Like, you coming in as a student and then being like, oh, I'm actually going to retire here. Like, did people try to like coach you away from that or mentor you away from that or were people pretty understanding of it? Or is that even uh, a normal thing? Yeah, I didn't get any pushback whatsoever. Um, you know, for, so for me personally, uh, I'm, there's not too many Ranger qualified armor officers in my year group. Uh, and what that meant during my career was, uh, you know, in whatever, 2004, 2005, and they, they modularized the beast, the brigade combat team, and all these infantry brigades got a cab squadron. And they want, you know, what a, you know when, when you give infantrymen a, a cavalry squadron that's going to be manned by armor officers, if, they, if they're going to be forced to have an armor officer in their formation, they want a ranger qualified one. Well, there's like, there's like two of us, right? In my <laughs> so, uh, so what that meant was I spent the last, uh, you know, 10 years in infantry brigade combat teams, which at a certain level, you know, when you get to be, you know, six, everybody knows everybody. And if, if you don't, if you're not really, if you don't know the, the big dogs in your branch at the highest level, um, you know, your, your upward mobility is, is limited. Uh, and I was at that point, like, well, I, you know, I, I was not going to get command of a, of a, you know, like any type of brigade or 06 level command. And, and, you know, I'm perfectly all right with that. Um, you know, especially finishing up in the war college is awesome. Like I, I have an awesome life for a Colonel in the army in my last assignment. So, and you know, I'm home. So this is, this is like perfect. I couldn't have written it any other way. Um, so yeah, there was no pushback at all. And, uh, and, and, and frankly, I, I did not expect this. I, I, I always had really planned on, uh, retiring like a year after my, my squadron level command, uh, right at 20. Uh, but I just got, I got blessed with, uh, some, some really good dudes, uh, that, that made me look really, really good. And so that command went well and that translated into a nominative job and, I uh, was the senior trainer for the CAF squadrons down at, at, at Fort Polk at, at Joint Readiness Training Center. And then I got picked up for Colonel and I got picked up for the War College. And they just, you know, like all this stuff I wasn't expecting or planning on just started rolling in. And I was just like, oh, you know, the Army's going to send me back to my home state and give me a master's degree essentially for free thanks. Like you just say, thanks. <laughs> you go, right. You take it. So, uh, um, you know, so yeah. So 
20 became 24. Uh, and so we're all pretty, pretty, ha pretty happy about that. Right. And trust me, I got, I got buddies that are, uh, you know, that are 06 level commanders and their lives, are, their lives are a lot more stressful and a lot more difficult than mine are right now. I mean, I went to a bunch of Penn State games, a bunch of Army football games, a bunch of Army wrestling matches, you know, a bunch of different, went to Big Tens, went to EIWAs, you know, whole lots of stuff I didn't get to do for the last 20 years, and I got to, I got to do it. So that first time we met, you know, we were at, uh, when we were on for that POC thing, I was coming off a stretch where I was like, two years in a row, I'd been to the Army-Navy match. Two years in a row, I was at Army Lehigh. I had just gone to like, and I think like the pandemic was just starting. And like that weekend before everything stopped, like Friday night, I was at EIWAs at Lehigh. And Saturday and Sunday, I was at the Big Ten Championships at Rutgers. So I was like, <laughs> I was like at peak, like wrestling. Just living your best life right there. Right? It was pretty awesome. So. So you talk about being home back in the state of Pennsylvania, which is, you know, second best wrestling state to Ohio, unfortunately. But you got to stick to the script, okay. Jordan. Stick to the that's script. Okay. It says the best. That's okay. that's okay. We won't hold it against you. So, uh, but you did grow up in the hotbed of the Pennsylvania state, Lehigh Valley area. Talk about growing up there and then your decision to go to West Point and what really drove you to making that decision. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, so growing up in the Lehigh Valley, I mean, wrestling-wise, like, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, it's awesome because it's so competitive at every, at every level. Um, and, you know, growing up, I mean, I was not – my high school program was not good. So there were some matches where, like, I had a buddy that, that, and, that wrestled for Harvard at the same time and who was a multiple NCAA qualifier, and, you know, we – if, like if me or him didn't win, you know, when we were wrestling like Easton or Nazareth or Northampton, then they, it was a shutout, right? Like, <laughs> so there was a couple matches where like we were losing like 62 to three, right? Um, the, the blessing was it was like, you know, when you left that area, you're, you're better than you think you are. Um, you know, and, and, and that really, and, you know, for me, you know, so I didn't really get contacted much by many places. Um, I, you know, probably if I wouldn't have gone to West Point, I probably would have went to Bucknell. Um, coach, you know, Ferraro, I grew up with the Ferraro family and uh, Bob Ferraro was a longtime head coach there. He's still like, he runs the Virginia duels tournament, the, the whatever it is, the national high school, something coaches association that like that's, he started that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with his brother and so we used to go to Bucknell wrestling camp every year. And, um, you know, I was in contact with a couple other places mainly because, uh, Jay Weiss is the coach of Harvard is a, is a Lehigh Valley guy. Uh, he's, he's been the head coach at Harvard now for probably, probably over 25 years. Cause he's still there. And he was the coach like when I was in college. Right. And Jay is like my father's, I don't know, second cousin or something like that. But Jay recruited me at, at Brown and then he went to Harvard. And like, so my, my best friend from, from Allentown went to wrestle for Jay at Harvard. Um, not that I was going to go to Harvard, but Brown was an option because Jay was there. Um, but, you know, the, the impact was, you know, you get to West Point and I was like, 
like I had taken fifth in district 11, right. In a year where I can remember I didn't start wrestling my senior year. until really late. Cause we won my football team. We won this Pennsylvania state championship. So I was on the radio on like Sunday morning in December and like a whole bunch of guys from Northampton's wrestling team were there too. And they had just competed in the first like wrestling competition of the year. I hadn't been on a mat yet. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I, I want to say like my junior year or my senior year, like those, those three schools finished like number one, two and four in like the USA today, top 25 ranking. So, so it was pretty insane. So what happened was, you know, I'd go to West Point and, you know, there were some times in the lineup my senior year where it was like Jerry Thomas, 126, three-time Nebraska state champ, Stein Edwards, 134, you know, Florida state champ. And, and Jarrett Matthews was at 150 for a while, you know, two-time Oregon state champ. And it was like Ryan Seagreaves, fifth in District 11, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, so it, that, that was, a, it was a blessing and a, and a curse. So you were used to very, very tough competition, but it was really, really hard to do well. Um, my decision to go to West Point, though, was really not, I mean, it was a place where I could continue my wrestling career. But I wanted to go, I, I wanted to join the service. So, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, and I don't have any rest. I don't have an army or military service in my family background. Uh, pretty, you know, liberal family, liberal Catholic family from Eastern Pennsylvania. There's not a whole lot of military influence around there. Um, but for me, I mean, for my freshman year was, was when Desert Storm happened. So I can... I can remember clearly like on my way to football practice my freshman year during double sessions and hearing on the radio, you know, like Iraq invaded Kuwait. And, you know, I was looking on a map and an encyclopedia that night, like where the heck is Kuwait? Um, (laughs) And, and so I had, you know, like the January 15th when the UN deadline was where they had to get out, I stayed up all night watching TV and I never stayed up all night for anything ever. My parents were like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Um, and, and I was like, this is the biggest thing in the world. I got to see what happens. And of course, nothing happened that night. The next night on January 16th was like the iconic scenes of like all the tracers going up in Baghdad and CNN is broadcasting it. And it's like, Bernard Shaw and uh, Wolf Blitzer on CNN, you know, they were like, it's like the all time famous like video. And I was exhausted because I'd stayed up all night the night before I missed everything. I didn't see it all. I didn't see any of it. Um, But no, I was just like, Hey, this is the biggest thing in the world. And I want to be part of that someday. So I wanted to go. uh, I wanted to go to one of the academies and, and uh, had a, a family connection, not a family connection. My, my uh my head coach's older son uh was was at West Point at the time and so that's where I got kind of linked up uh with coach Efner and and so it, it became an opportunity for me to continue my my wrestling career but mainly I wanted to you know I, I wanted to be in the army so so capitalizing on your opportunity for sure yeah so I mean four years the, later uh, like looking through, I mean, especially a lot of people that come through West Point, especially like when you're either not like highly recruited or 
you're not like super successful early. A lot of, a lot of wrestlers like don't make it all four years, you know, which is, I think, you know, a testament to you, like, you know, sticking out with the team and, and you know, you weren't like super, a super successful wrestler, you know, but, you know, pretty competitive all four years too. You know, did you ever think about like not staying with the team or were you, were you close with a lot of your classmates? Yeah. So yeah, not wrestling was ever like that never even registered for me. Like it wasn't even, that was not something that, would e never even entered my mind. Um, probably the closest, I mean, really the big thing for me was like my freshman year, uh, I, I want to say I was like fourth on the depth chart at 34 and was not happy. Um, and I can remember like for like a JV match or something one night and we had like a five pound allowance. I had to make 139 and was utterly miserable making 139 to, you know, and I was like, why am I doing this? Like I, and, uh, so I, I, I told Jack that night, I was like, Hey, I'm not wrestling 34 anymore. And he, he was, he was moderately un unhappy about that decision. I just, I'll just leave it there. Uh, and he said, I was making a big mistake. Now the mistake was Brad Fenske was the guy at 142 that like, everyone was avoiding 142 like crazy. I was like, man, I can, I'm be fourth in the depth chart at 34. I can go to 42 and probably be second. And so I went up to 42, mainly to not be miserable anymore. Um, and so for the next like year and a half, I, you know, I was getting beat up by Brad all the time, but a weird thing happened was, you know, I wasn't really, and I wasn't the type of guy that could cut weight very well. I had to come down pretty gradually and I had to wrestle right about where I was. Cause I like, there was a noticeable, noticeable decline in my performance. If I was cutting weight hard to the point where I was like, I don't do that. Um, it's a useless skill. It only benefits you for a very small period of time. So yeah. That's okay. Even with medical <laughs> back then too. Yeah. Yeah. Even that, like, if I cut 10 pounds in a couple days, even with weigh-ins the night before, like I would not recover. I would be super sluggish in the third period. I'd run out of gas. I, I don't know what it was. Like I, my, my body doesn't, didn't work that way. Um, and so, but anyway, when I went up to 42, what happened was I was like, I wasn't miserable anymore. And when I was at pressing practice, I was focused on, I was thinking about getting better at wrestling. I wasn't thinking about my weight all the time. And lo and behold, I got better really fast. So I went from like five and seven at 134 as a freshman to 19 and 10 at 142 as a sophomore. And mainly it was just from, you know, I was, I, I just, I felt good at practice and I could get, and I got better. And then, you know, you guys know what that room is like. I mean, it's, there's state champions everywhere, right? So if, if you're interested in getting better, all the opportunity in the world is there for you. And that, in that wrestling room, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta grab it. And I, you know, I grabbed it and got to a point where, you know, I got myself into the conversation uh, to, you know, to be, to be in the lineup. So kind of went from there. So, um, a little uh, tidbit for the listeners. As I was going doing my research and looking through the media guides, I'm like, you know, seeing how like how many years you lettered, like all, all like, you know, I'm trying to get all the stats, and I see a little asterisk next to your name. 
and I'm looking through all the other names, like the rest of it, as I'm going to the bottom of, the, of the, like the, that section, and there's no one else has an asterisk. And I'm like, what can this asterisk mean next to his name? <laughs> like, it's like during the 96, 97 season, he lettered at Army and also Air Force. And I was like, that's kind of cool, but also kind of weird. I don't know how I would ever wrestle at another academy. I'd probably just fight him all the time, but maybe you did that too. <laughs> so tell us, tell us a little bit about that. In the, in yeah, so I uh, decided to compete for the Academy Exchange Program, and I got selected. Uh, so I got selected to go to the Air Force Academy, which is where I wanted to go, because who, who would want to go to Navy? I didn't want to go there. Right. And I, and I was like, I was never going to put their crap on. Um, and so, but I, I wanted to go to Colorado. Like I, I, I never really traveled. I mean, the first time I ever got on a plane was like plebe, like after my plebe year. I, you know, I, I'd been in like Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, and Maryland period before I went to West Point. So I, I wanted to get on a plane and go see some other things. And so I went to the Air Force Academy for a semester and just rolled onto their team. And, uh, you know, that was, a, that was an awesome experience, right? Uh, I, you know, I had some momentum cause I had, you know, I was this close to being a 20 match winner as a sophomore. And I was pretty determined to do that as a junior. Um, it was an interesting interaction cause you know, you, you don't get junior transfers at the academy, right? So that that like personal dynamic with my new Air Force teammates was it was pretty frosty as for at first, as you as you can imagine. That very few people talked to me. In fact, almost none of them did. Um, really, until our first competition. So we had uh, we had the first competition we went to was the Wyoming Open. Uh, at the University of Wyoming, and uh, I was like number two on the depth chart out there. There was a guy at 42 that I, no matter what, I couldn't beat him. I'd lose four to three, three to two. He was always a one-point match. You know, he'd get a takedown, and I, I couldn't get a takedown on him or something like that. And anyway, it turned out like he was kind of a practice room king, and like I wrestled in three tournaments out there, and I took second, first, and third and that dude didn't, didn't place in anything um so the first tournament you know if you, if you you know some of those early tournaments and the coaches they take like 20 or 30 guys there's always a couple of your teammates sitting in your corner right i tell you one of the loneliest feelings i ever had was like my first or second match out at air force and i was wrestling and i looked over my corner and none of the teammates were there it was just one like assistant coach the guy that was a major you know who, who had this like who had to sit there, right? <laughs> like, like he didn't have an option. Um, and I never, like, that was one time where I can remember, I like, I was probably never lonelier out there and, and missing my teammates more than I was, like, during that first match. And then a funny thing happens, you know, like, winning matters. And so a couple matches later, when the starter is done and I'm in the semifinals in a, brawl against some kid from nebraska that got pretty pretty spicy um you know i looked up one time and there's like 15 of my teammates sitting in the corner in the semifinals when you know when it counts so after that tournament um and then i went when in the finals i wrestled a kid that was a 
I think he was like the D2 runner-up the year before. He's from Northern Colorado. And it was an awesome, super fun match. He gave me a point for unsportsmanlike conduct. I gave him a point for unnecessary roughness. It was a match where the ref literally in the third period pulled us in for like the third time. I was like, look, I've warned you. I've penalized both of you. Obviously, nothing I say matters. So I'm just letting you two meet him go. Have fun hurting. Have fun killing each other. Said that to us in the middle. He's like, I'm not even going to make you shake hands. Just just go. I'm not calling you anymore. What's that? That's a good ref right there. It was awesome. I, I loved it. So it I ended up like losing. In a, in a match with Casey and Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about like my childhood. So I lost so I have all the questions. Uh, so were you uh, attached or unattached? Were you wearing an Air Force singlet? Like, I'm, I'm still confused. Yeah, I wore an Air Force singlet. Um, I wore an Air Force singlet and, and wrestled for them. And, you know, they would always ask, well, like, what would happen if you would wrestle Army? And and I said, well, I you know I wouldn't do that. Number one, number two, the reason I came here is because I already knew like that wasn't a possibility in the fall semester. You know what I mean? We we're just going to go to like three open tournaments or something like that, and and that was it. So we went. You know, I wrestled in the the Wyoming Open, the Southern Colorado Open, and the Oklahoma Open over Thanksgiving, and it was great. So I got to see all this like Pac twelve, Pac ten, and and big 12 competition and everything you new, new i never i didn't wrestle anybody from the east coast which was awesome uh so it was really it was really fun and um you know great great experience i you know loved it it was actually neat the following year at the academy championships seeing all those guys again uh like at way and stuff so that was real that was kind of a neat thing you know and then at, that that night at dinner all my army teammates were like why are you talking to those guys? They're not your friends. You know what I mean? Like, I, like <laughs> I got reminded, like, don't be a traitor, you know? <laughs> so um, you didn't wrestle any dual meets for them. I'm wondering how, like, the NCAA, like, compliance and, like, you wrestling in one school and another, like, was it yeah. just kind of like, because they were open tournaments, it was like, eh, nobody cares. Yeah, so I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> and I don't, I don't really think anybody cared anyway, right? Like, no one, no one was tracking some random junior at West Point that wasn't ranked in the top 20. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody really even cared. Um, yeah, you know, when you think about NCAA eligibility and train, especially today, like with all the transfer portal stuff that you see, like, I don't know, you know. I, I can remember looking at, what is it, Bugle Notes, the little Bugle Notes thing. I remember reading something in there. There was a cadet that was like, I don't know, in the 80s or the 90s, like did the exchange, was like a soccer player and like letter, went to Navy for a year, lettered for Navy their junior year. And then, you know, like scored the winning goal against Navy their senior year when they were back at Army. So I was like, Hey, if that dude can do it, I can do it. It's just in the same season. And so I came back at, you know, at Christmas time and, you know, I came back, I, you know, I wrestled in like the Wilkes open. Uh, and I, like I dropped down to 34 again, like I became more mature and 
watch what I was eating. So my junior and senior year, I'd wrestle 42 in the fall. I dropped to 34 over Christmas time. I'd wrestle 34 for the rest of the, you know, the spring semester and the, you know, the conference meets and stuff like that. Um, and so like the fall season was like Crispito season for you. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I gradually come down. Um, do you, you think know, you're maybe the only army wrestler that's ever done the transfer program? I've never heard of anyone. So if anybody knows someone, drop it in the comments because I'm very interested. <laughs> but I think you might be the only. I don't think anyone's ever done it. Now, I, I'm sure if you ever have Jack on the program, like I'm sure he didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I, like I said, like I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a starter at that point. Uh, and I wasn't really... I don't know. I just, I wanted a new experience and I didn't think I was being like disloyal. It wasn't like I wasn't wrestling, right? Like I was going somewhere and getting a whole new level of competition. Um, and when I came back, I mean, I, you know, I was still, I think mainly Jack was happy at least with me when I came because I dropped back to 34. So when I had like, saw him again and rejoined the team like i had just wrestled 134 at the wilkes open and he was like super pumped that i was back at 34 you know even though when i was at 42 i'd like i had won like you know 30 matches in a year and a half you know what i mean like i was doing pretty i was doing pretty okay at 142 so anyway but uh it was a it was a great experience i loved it i got to do i flew a glider i soloed a glider out there I did jump, got my, got, you know, some free fall parachute wings while I was out there as part of the school. Um, awesome. Yeah. So like some of their military classes, they do mm -hmm. like, instead of like boxing and wrestling and gymnastics and swimming and stuff, they have soaring where you, you get on a bus to the airfield and you, and you fly a glider and then they have jump where you, you go to the airfield and you, they train you up and you jump out of an airplane. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. Um, just so listeners know, this isn't a recruiting episode for the Air Force Academy. This is for- Yeah, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Coach War would let it fly anyway. <laughs> We're gonna have to edit this piece out now. <laughs> so uh, something that's interesting that I wanna hear about. So we, we've heard some from some grads that were at West Point during 9-11, which obviously we just, at the 20th anniversary, which yep. sounds weird to say it that way, but um, 20 year remembrance. Um, then we've heard from some people that were second lieutenants and at Bullock during the time, but you would have been a young officer, probably would have been like a, I mean, probably on the brink of captain or a captain when it happened, I'm assuming. Oh, what was right your here. experience? Yeah, what was your experience like when that occurred and just what transpired after that, how it shaped, I guess, probably your entire career? Yeah, so I was stationed at Fort Hood at the time, um, and I would actually, my armor battalion, I was a battalion scout platoon leader, and my armor battalion was deployed to Kuwait. We were the rotational, mm -hmm. used to call it Operation Desert Spring, right? We were the rotational armor battalion. There would always be one there for like four months. So I was there from April to August of 2001. And I remember like while I was there, there was one point where like they had split the battalion in half 
and it was it was really like a battalion task force we took more than our battalion um and we were doing force on force training and there was a certain and like my i had a 10 humvee scout platoon and half of it were the bad guys and half of it were the good guys with me and i remember that one day uh they called me to the command post and they were like you know viper one this is whatever you need to come to the top immediately and i thought oh man i'm getting fired for something right <laughs> um especially when like the first thing that the, the operations officer said was go immediately back to the camp take off all the miles gear off your trucks and i was like oh man i really am fired like they're kicking me out of the exercise i'm, I'm so bad right and uh <laughs> And he was like, hey, get your body armor and go to the ammunition holding area and draw a full basic load. And, and so what had happened was when all the threat reporting was going on pre 9-11, like in late July and early August, they went to like, what was it called? Like threat, threat condition delta on the perimeter. And so the, all in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula went to threat condition delta. So you had to have like armed guards around everything. And so the training exercise for my battalion continued and my scout platoon was literally doing an armed patrol around the training area while they were, while they were doing their force on force training. Um, and literally, so we, we came back in mid August and, you know, our second day back to work was nine 11. And so we went nuts for, you know, eight weeks, like everybody, but then we went right back to, we went right back to Kuwait uh, in November. And so I was there for four months. I was home for three. And then I was back there again for five months. Uh, we were right on the border of Iraq. And that, that ended up being like the run up. Like we were there like when the president gave his axis of evil speech. You know, and, you know, that was that was a, a unique experience. Right. Um, and so. And then, you know, the rest of it is a blur. I mean, I came back from that. I went to the, and like all of us, all the lieutenants, baby captains in my unit that were, we were all about to go to the captain's course. Every, everybody's schools got canceled and we all deployed again. Um, and, um, you know, I, so I, I did the career course after that. And then it was right at the beginning of Iraq. So I ended up doing, in my next assignment as a captain, I did a year in Iraq, home for 10 months, and then another year in Iraq the second time as a, a tank company commander. And so I was like, I hadn't even hit eight years of service yet, and I had four deployments under my belt already. Uh, and so I got a job. I, I ran, I was a small group instructor at the, captain's, the Armor Captain's Career Course uh, at Fort Knox, and then I ran the Armor Basic Course for close to two years after that and trained literally a thousand armor lieutenants, literally a thousand. Um, yeah. and then, uh, CGSC. And then I was at Fort Campbell as a major and did an Afghanistan combat tour there. And then I went to Afghanistan again as a, as a cavalry squadron commander out of Fort Carson, Colorado. So I don't know. I, for me, I, like I've literally deployed in the four troop assignments that I've been in as a lieutenant, a captain, a major, and lieutenant colonel. I deployed to the Middle East twice as in the one as a lieutenant, twice as a captain, 
once as a major and one as a lieutenant colonel. So I'm close to the point where saying I have not deployed in the rank of, of colonel. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think you're good with that one. So we're crossing fingers for you. We actually overlapped a little bit at, at Campbell. I didn't realize you were you were rock sign. You don't have like a rock a Tory like tattoo or anything on you. You know, you're not those, are you? I don't have a Tory tattoo, but in my house, you're never far from some from some <laughs> you're never far from some rock Hassan bling. You know, we like to mark stuff. So that's yeah, the coaster that my uh that water my water bottle's on. So so you, uh, you, like you did command as a tank commander and then, you know, you know field grade time, um, you know, light, you know, what, which do you prefer? We haven't had a lot of uh, like army talk on these episodes, but we have a lot of, you know, young officers and, you know, people shaping like, what, what did you prefer? Do you like the light infantry, you know, kind of armor or, you know, heavy side of things? What was, what's your take on that? You know, so I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to pick one. Um, I mean, being an armor officer is awesome, especially if you're in a, in a, especially if you're in a combined arms battalion and you're in a tank company. Uh, you know, being a, a tank company commander in combat in Iraq is. I never felt safer in combat than I did when I was a tank company commander. Well, it's, I don't know. One of the safest I ever felt in combat was when I was a tank company commander, and I was in. As you can imagine, it's not like they put you in a safe place when you're a tank company commander. You're the guy that they send when things are bad. Um, and so, you know, that that's just awesome. You know, and nothing says we care like 70 tons of love uh, showing up uh, on your on your front yard. Um, but, you know, as a lieutenant, hey, when I was in, in like right in 2000, 2001, you know, I was watching HBO and Band of Brothers came out. And that was Band of Brothers came out when I was a lieutenant. And I was watching, I remember watching that at Fort Hood and being like, man, I wish I could serve in the 101st. But there was like one slot for one armor captain in the entire 101st Airborne Division. And then in 2004, they modularized the BCTs and they they made them, they made brigades, brigade combat teams, and they all had added a cab squadron. So all of a sudden, they, you know, all these infantry brigade combat teams needed armor officers. And, and I happened to be ranger qualified. I was one of the few unicorns that was, because I, I had a wrestling tack, wrestling OC at, at, at school, a guy named Captain Bill Boyce, retired as Lieutenant Colonel Bill Boyce. And, and he was an infantryman. Um, and uh, I hung out with him when I was the grad assistant coach. And, and he was like, he hazed me and said, if I didn't go to armor school or if I didn't go to ranger school, then, you know, it was a judgment on my, on my manhood, right? <laughs> so I went to ranger school because Bill Boyce told me to go to ranger school because my, one of my wrestling ORs went, you know, he was an army wrestler. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got to go to the 101st and, you know, I talked, I said, I, you know, I was deployed all those times as a lieutenant and a captain. Well then, you know, I, and then I was a small group instructor, you're pretty hot commodity. Uh, 
I'm going with Jordan Reedlism for a second. I'm still here. School wrestler. Ryan, I think we lost like, the last like 10 seconds of that. Oh, it's, sorry. It like cut out. Okay. Yeah, so we met, we, we missed that last part. Like you, you mentioned you were a small group instructor and then before you were transitioning, it just kind of cut out. Yeah, I what I was saying was uh I uh I got recruited with all that time deployed, all those deployments as a major, I got recruited harder as a major by the divisions coming out of CGSC than I did as a high school wrestler. To the point where like like a battalion commander called me on Christmas Eve. A brigade, you know, a brigade executive officer called me on on Christmas Day. And I was like, come on, sir, let me go. Like, and and but I, I wanted to go to the hunter first. So uh yeah, you know, I I love being, you know, being a rock son is awesome. It's like the Yankees of infantry regiments. Everybody hates them, but everybody wants to be one, right? Like this is pretty cool. I know you I know as that's where it's at. Mass zone guy, you're you're, you're yeah. gonna say say something. We don't, have, we don't have to talk about how cool we were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing, kind of. <laughs> um no, so and you know, I, I and then you know the cab squadron I commanded at Fort Carson, I was in a I I took command of 361 cavalry. So if you've seen the outpost on Amazon Prime. Orlando Bloom and Cock Keating. So that's this that's a squadron that I commanded. Now all that stuff happened in 2009. I commanded the squadron in 2015. Um so you know I got to go to a special place as a lieutenant colonel and um you know that being just being part of that military lineage uh, you could that was something that you could feel. I haven't felt a brotherhood like that honestly since army wrestling. Um Maybe it was just luck, lucky that the guys that I was with, um, but being in that squadron, you know, it's like the Medal of Honor squadron. They have two living Medal of Honor recipients, right? And uh, I don't know. I just think everybody ran a little bit harder, lifted a little bit heavier, trained a little bit longer, uh, being there to live up to that, uh, live up to that, you know, that lineage. Uh, the people that came before us there. That's a pretty special place. So, you know, that was, that, that was a super fun time for me as well. And, you know, that, and, and, and like I said, like, I thought I was going to retire right after that. I was, that was like going out on top. Like that was like the Super Bowl for me. So, but, uh, you know, that was one of the, because those guys did so good, they made me look really good. And so I got promoted again and the army sent me back to school and now I'm, you know, whatever, five, six years later, I'm still doing it. So, um, then Snyder's saying you spent a small stint with the Marines. You just like to really do a lot of things with the other services, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How did, yeah. How did that occur? So, uh, I was a brigade executive officer at, of the Roxons. I was third brigade on first. And, you know, frankly, the way it happened was, I interviewed for a job to be an aide to a four-star and he took a long time to make a decision. And then I didn't get the job and I was still a major and, and armor branch came back and was like, yeah, we're going to hook you up and give you a job as Lieutenant Colonel. And they gave me like two different options. 
Uh, and so one of them was uh, going to work at the, the joint staff, the J7 in Suffolk, Virginia. And the other one was this exchange job with the Marine Corps. Uh, and so I said, hey, if, uh, if I'm going to go to the joint staff, like I want to work on the joint staff, like in the Pentagon in D.C., go into like the remnants of Joint Forces Command, the J7 at Suffolk. It sounds like you just told me I got accepted to, you know, Penn State's Wilkes-Barre campus, you know, and he's like, you're yeah, going, that's you're going to West Point, but you're really going to Citadel or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So you're going to Camp Lejeune? And I was like, yes, I'm going to Camp Lejeune. So, yeah, I spent three years surrounded by 50,000 of my closest Marine friends. Uh, and I got to do a whole lot of different stuff there as well. Um, Did you wear a Marine uniform? No, I never wore a Marine uniform. <laughs> no, 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 no. Always wore all my army stuff and 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 represented well and uh I had a good had a, had a good experience there. And you know, it turns out there is benefits. Marines are in fact amphibious, and so their bases are close to water. And so, like I lived in a house literally five minutes from my driveway to the beach to North Topsail Island for three years. So I didn't take my kids to the park for three years. We went to the beach. It's awesome. Almost every day. So, you know, that, that, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool gig. Something you don't get to do in the army unless you get lucky enough to get sent to like Hawaii or something like that. But, um, yeah, people know, understand like, it's a good area to live in. I'm there like every week for work. And then you're, you know, I mean, Campbell's June is not like ideal right there, but you're like 20 minutes away from like a lot of, stuff so it's pretty yeah cool. so i i lived in sneeds ferry we'd go to north north topsail island all the time if you follow a guy like like general abrams just retired you know the, the son of the guy the tanks named after general abrams just retired as a four-star and you know where he retired to he he owns a house on north topsail island like that's where he retired you know so it's a good it's a great spot um and so it was definitely it's good family time there it's good to see do something new and and frankly it's helped me a ton here at the Army War College in teaching joint war fighting. Uh, and so, cause I got exposed to so much about the Marine Corps and the United States Navy and how they do things. And, you know, at the level I teach at now, I mean, everything is joint. So you need to understand how the other services do things when you're pondering things like, like fighting Russia or fighting China. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, it's, it was, it's a real, it's been a really, that was a really great experience for, especially for what I'm doing now. So it's really, really cool. All right. What else? Let's get back to army wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, one thing we didn't, cause Jordan went right into nine 11 stuff because you know, of the remembrance and all that stuff, but you were a GA for the year, you know, after you graduated, I, I definitely want to hit on that because we didn't talk about, um, you know, you, you were, you were a GA during the transition, which Coach Efner and Coach Giles, um, you know, so if you could talk about that, I think that's cool because now you know, that that was a time where you, know, you were a GA, but you weren't associated with the prep school. Prep school was down in Fort Monmouth, but GA was, you know, up at West Point. So I think it'd be cool to like learn what that rules because a lot of, I mean, the way Coach Ward runs the team now is, you know, most of the, most of the recruits go to the prep school, you know, two thirds <laughs> of the recruits go to the prep school. He loves the prep yeah. school, very involved. You know, so talk about that whole experience and, you know, the transition between coaches and kind of how I understand it was kind of crazy. So I'll stop talking and you go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jack had asked me to be the grad assistant. Um, 
so obviously, yeah, he wasn't too upset about the whole Air Force thing, right? He offered me a job. Um, so, so Jack had asked me to be the grad assistant and, uh, and I, you know, I said, yes. Uh, and, and, you know, for the same reasons, Brad Fenske talked about, you know, work, you know, it's pretty cool to work in Arvin gym and shorts and a t-shirt every day. Right. And like, make sure guys get to practice, um, and guide guys through their workouts and stuff. Uh, but, uh, Jack then took the Cleveland state job like in May, like right before graduation. So I never actually worked for Jack. And so uh, the athletic department named Todd Giles, who was our assistant, named him the interim coach. And then back then we also had a volunteer assistant, but the guy that was doing the volunteer assistant stuff, like the officer that was doing that, like he PCS'd, we weren't getting a new guy until like September. And so I only took like, I didn't take much leave at all after graduation. I had to come back because like it was me and Todd and Todd was like going to like a coach's convention and he was recruiting and he was going to other things and stuff and, and going to like some camps or something. And, and, and so for most of the summer, I was like by myself running the program. I had to go to like the head coaches meetings in the athletic department you know, I had, I was studying the NCAA book to take my exam. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just learning like people's phone numbers in the athletic department. I'm, I'm trying to figure out on the fly, like what I really needed to do. And so we were just, and so like, yeah. And at the time, like this is how disconnected we were from the prep school. It was still at Fort Monmouth. Like, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you who the head coach was there or who the coach was at the prep school. I had no idea. And literally the entire time that I was there, I had zero contact or interaction with the prep school team whatsoever. Um, yeah, we were just trying to, I was just trying to keep the, keep the, keep the wheels on the wagon. Right. And so, and then the athletic department and, you know, I don't know why I didn't know what going, went on with the, you know, the job search, but they didn't name Todd as the head coach. Uh, it had to be like late September, early October. And so during all that intervening time, it wasn't like Todd could go like interview people to be the assistant, right? Because he didn't know if, like, if he didn't get the head coaching job, he would be the assistant. So it was like, so he couldn't really start interviewing anybody until he was the head coach. Uh, and so, you know, it was, we, we got a really, really late start on the season. It didn't help that. I mean, my senior year, like there was a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of starters that walked out the door. Um, you know, guys that were three and four year varsity letterman, Pat McGinn, you know, I think there was, it was probably like, there were some matches we had, like when we wrestled NC State my senior year, all seven of us were in the starting lineup. And so everybody, everybody was like, oh, you know, I think there was only like two or three starters that were returning, maybe, no, maybe three or four. Um, and so, you know, we, we had a lot of holes to fill and, uh, you know, it, it, it was, that was a rough season. And then what we had pending was it was our last, like they were going to start like an Arvin gym renovation. 
And so, you know, you had all this coaching turnover and then right then they were going into, I think they were over in like, they were near like the, one of the buildings next to the O club or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Washington Hall. Call them all. Call them all. Call them all. Call them all. That's how they figured out how many lights were in Call them all. It was just everybody getting pinned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so, Jordan's back. Jordan's back. <laughs> and so what happened was, you know, I ended up being a lot more involved in the wrestling room than I thought I would be to the point where I, I was planning a lot of practices start and running them start to finish, which, um, and you know, I mean, cause Todd, once he got named the head coach, I mean, he had to go find an assistant then, which took a lot of his time. And, and by the time, you know, we kind of got settled and got an assistant coach in there and then got our volunteer assistant cranked up again, they're, um, we got lucky in that the guy that became a volunteer assistant had done it in the past and he came back to the program. So that helped us a little bit, but was it an army officer or like what? Yeah. It was like a reserve army officer guy named Woody Woodworth. Really, really nice guy. He was, what's that? You remember Woody Woodworth? I don't know who he was, but yeah. 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 Yeah, Nice. Awesome guy. Very helpful. Uh, I, I I will never forget when he came back. That was a huge relief to me, because uh, number one, I mean, he was like a major in the army, and so he knew like the way things like he knew army stuff, right? Like I was, you forget, I, I was a brand new second lieutenant, and so it wasn't like I knew army things at all. You know what I mean? And and uh, you know, I was still learning that stuff too. So, um. It, it, it was a, it was definitely a tough transition and, and, you know, it, it was made harder by the, the pace of the decision-making, right? Like if with, with, with Todd being an interim status from like the middle of May until probably late September, that's, if you think about the life cycle of wrestling season, I mean, that's pretty late in the, in the game to name your head wrestling coach. Um, and so, and, and when, and when he's the interim, it's not like he can do all the things that you would want that guy to do. Um, so, so that, that, that was, that was a tough, that was a tough transition. Uh, but you know, we, we had some good guys in there. I mean, we had Troy Yagi in the room. We had Maurice Worthy in the room, um, Scott Siegfried and, and, and uh and uh dennis oh god i'm blanking our two co-captains were solid guys so it was you know it was a it was a it was good once we got going um and a couple couple year transition there in the early 2000s is just like a super unique period in army wrestling history as we piece it together for through all these different interviews just the transition of coaches and the transition of uh, the wrestling room being built, 9-11 occurring, and just all these different things that occurred. Yeah. Um, man, it, it was uh, definitely some building blocks for where we are now, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's some of the reasons for my excitement. You know, when I, I came back here to PA and I, 
I went up for my 20th reunion and I talked to Kevin a little bit and I, I, you know, I went to a couple matches and stuff and I was like, holy cow, like they got it going on in a way that, man, I wish it had been like that when I was there, you know, especially with, you know, the base realignment and closure commission closes Fort Monmouth and moves the prep school to West Point and you get a brand new prep school facility. I mean, that's, that's a massive advantage for our program, having the prep school right there. Uh, and so, and, you know, when, and now, you know, B-Row, you were talking like, hey, pretty much everybody goes to the prep school, right? I mean, I think I remember one of the talks with Kevin, he was like, hey, unless they're like a 4.0 student, they're going to the prep school. And I couldn't agree with that more, right? Like my senior year in college, I was 21. During my fourth year and final year of eligibility, I was 21 going through the whole year. I turned 22 a week before graduation. You know, yeah, there's kids that are like 27 now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Yanni Diakamahalis just made the world team. What is he like, 24? And he's like junior eligibility, right? At, at Cornell, <laughs> I think he's he doesn't he have like two years left at least, or maybe just he does. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the average college wrestler at this point graduates at 24 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and so that's, you know, that's such a, it's such like just that extra year of maturity and growth and training, you know what I mean? Like 22, 23, 20. I mean, when I was 23, 24 years old, you know, get like getting ready to go to Ranger school, man, I could eat lightning and crap thunder, you know? <laughs> I mean, if I had two more, you know, two more years of train, um, yeah, that's a, it's a massive, dip, massive advantage so yeah having the prep school right there and making that basically like part of the program and then having massive interaction through the wrestling club those are those are huge deals which you know and honestly it's what if hey you know let's just like coach ward says if you're going to be competitive the national level i mean that's what you need to do right um so yeah i'm getting ready to send some notes to some of my boys to become an insider and and uh I'll, you know, plug the program real quick here, become an insider and Hey, let's, let's start figuring out what we got to do to get, you know, get the club, the funds to, you know, get three athletes in residence there. So that's, that's where, I mean, that's where it needs to be. I look at the, 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 the Navy RTC, they got, you know, they got athletes now, you know, Colots there, you know, just, just for us to be able to, you know, compete at a high level, like that's the norm you know, kind of going across and it's an advantage, you know, I mean, we're able to get these, you know, because of the way that Kevin's leadership is and the way the, the, the program's developed, like we're getting the recruits in, you know, to be able to continue, continue that progression and continue them on. I know getting um, Jesse Delvecchia was, you know, was huge this year, um, yeah. you know, season, you know, for some of our, you know, a lot of our, you know, high talent is right around his weight class. So, um, you know, I'm excited. We just add, added on to that. Um, yeah, so I know we're getting pretty low on time here. You want me to end with a, a funny army wrestling war story? Let's hear it. Let's do it. And it involves a previous guest too. So, uh, <laughs> so Bernard Gardner, uh, bean, bean. <laughs> so yeah, bean. So I didn't know, you know, I didn't know bean. He was, I, I'm pretty sure when I was the GA, I might've saw his name on a file or something. Cause his name was, familiar to me but he was i don't know what he's like he's like 2004 2005 
something like that. 2004. Okay, so when I was in Afghanistan the first time, as a I was a cab squadron executive officer, and uh, we're end of our tour, and this is uh, I want to say maybe like January of or February of like 2011, and uh, the cab squadron that comes in to replace us, and Captain Gardner is the squadron S4. Now I didn't know him. But he comes over on like the, the advance party there or the torch party getting ready for the relief in place. And so him and uh, the, the, the executive officer he worked for, my counterpart was a guy that I knew we had been instructors together at Fort Knox, great guy. And uh, so they were kind of generally following our, our rhythm for the day. So me and my, we used to try to get a lift in usually between like 11 and 12 o'clock at night. Uh, and so uh, my counterpart and, and Gardner are in the gym and I, I had been on the squat rack and those guys were like the new dudes were on the treadmill. And I, I said, Hey, I looked at Gardner. I was like, Hey, you better, you better get your, get your butt on the squat rack, son. You're getting ready to walk these, these mountains. It's the Hindu Kush. Like you need to build up, build up your legs. And he kind of pulls his shorts up a little bit and like shakes his quadricep at me and he's like yeah i don't got any problem there sir and uh and i could see some ink on his thigh and i was like what do you got there on your thigh you got some ink let me see it and he and it's the army wrestling tattoo like the aw with like the black star around it Mm -hmm. and he he so he shows me the whole tattoo and he's like you don't know nothing about that sir like, like as cocky as you can imagine. <laughs> and so I show him mine on my thigh. And I was like, hey, son, like, like my class invented that thing. And like his jaw, like it wasn't <laughs> possible for a human being's jaw to drop any more than his did right then. Uh, he was just like, oh, my God, who are you? Like, <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, and so that was like, That's you know, awesome. I don't know if you guys have that or have one of those tattoos or uh, in anything, but, you know, I know it lasted at least to 2004. So there was, uh, I mean, it was Stein Edwards who, who drew that thing. And I know like Stein Edwards, Jarrett Matthews, myself, Pat McGinn, Denny Banks, Jerry Thomas all got it. And I know the guys in 2004 got it. Um, and so that was uh, after, you know, Gardner and I started talking more, obviously, after, you know, we saw we had that connection, right? And then I ended up uh, in a late, you know, in a later tour, you know, I linked up with him after that at, at Fort Leavenworth when he went there as a student and I was uh, in the pre-command course. And then he came through with his cab squadron as an XO at, at Fort Polk, uh, I was the Cav Squadron senior trainer down there. I got to got to run him run him through the paces down there a little bit on when he was on rotation. Uh, oh, world, yeah. So it was it was it was it was pretty awesome that he kind of like he flashes the Army wrestling tattoo. Like he's like, you don't know nothing about that, sir. And I was just <laughs> like, oh boy, here we go, youngster. <laughs> Doesn't know who he's talking to. <laughs> No, so he's he's doing really, really good. But that was uh 
you, you never know where you're going to link up with an army wrestler. And it is always fun as I go through when I hear guys are like, they talk to me about other people. They're like, oh, he, he was an army wrestler. I'm like, when is he there? Because if it's anywhere between like 1995 and 2001, if he's anywhere in those classes and I don't know him, then he's lying to you. <laughs> like, there's not that many dudes and I know all of them, right? Like, um, that was, that's, that's been a thing like throughout my career. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say something about somebody being an army wrestler. And I was just like, are you sure? How old are they? Cause if they're my age and they haven't been in the room, there's like, you guys know, there's a limited amount of people. Like I'm always shocked to see like, like that's another reason I think coach Ward has got it going on right now. 15 guys making it through four years in the program is insane. Like, I mean, when I went through my, me and my buddies graduated, there were seven of us that were still wrestling after four years, which was like, it was like three or four for the three or four years previous to me, at least. Right. Seven was a lot. Yeah. Um, And so that's, you know, that's an indicator of good culture when, when guys are sticking around that long and, you know, where the sure B on your shirt, B-Row, means something, right? They don't stick around because they don't like each other, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's some there's a definite brotherhood there that guys are sticking around, especially when you think of, hey, there's only 10 spots in the lineup. If you're graduating double-digit seniors in the program, there's something something's going right in there, so... That's that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited, man. That's 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 a pretty it's pretty awesome to just be a part of that part of that lineage, part of that tradition. So couldn't say it better myself. So before yeah. we wrap things up though, um, we want to hear who you want to hear on this show. If you got top your top three. Have you listened have you listened to many episodes? I'm I'm at like eight or nine that I've listened to so far. So I gotta I've I've got some catching up to do. I know we're in like the 50s now. Um but I scrolled through today to see who's done who's done a couple. So uh definitely I would say uh you, you know, you know who would be fun if you could get, especially if you want to go back a little earlier, is to get like uh trying to get Kevin Hare. So Kevin Hare was a captain. Kevin Hare was class of 96 and he was a captain. He was a co-captain. His dad, the judge, Judge Hare was like one of our big donors. Uh, The judge was always, he's a, he's a good Jersey kid. Right. Um, But uh, I, you know, I ran into Kevin when I was at Fort Campbell, when we were there, my son had to have emergency surgery and I was at Fort Polk on a rotation and some dude shows up in my son's hospital room. And my wife is like, she, she said, this doctor walks in. She says, Hey, are you, are you Mrs. Seagreaves? Are you married to Ryan Seagreaves? She's like, yeah. She's like, he goes, I'm Kevin Hare. I'm a doctor here at the hospital. I saw that name and I knew there was only one Seagreaves I've ever met. And I just came up to ask, and Kevin Hare like found my wife in the in the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Hare is a is a great guy. To, he, you know, he's he's doing really well. Um, 
certainly Matt Marciniak, if you can get Matt. Matt was a captain and a and a grad assistant. Matt was the grad assistant uh, when I was a yuck. Uh, he's he's definitely he's a guy that used to jump on me when I was a plebe and he was a firstie. Um, if you want to have a, a a fun interview, probably would go after maybe like Bill Solander. Bill was a class of '95. He was a heavyweight. Um, any big guys on? We need to have some big guys on. Some heavyweights. Yeah, Bill was a heavyweight. Or you could get Romeo Daniel. Romy was class in 95. Those guys were always super funny. These are some new names. I haven't, you know, I wrote down Bill Solander, 95, your group 95 heavyweight, funny guy. Got it down. <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, yeah, I, I'd certainly recommend Jarrett Matthews. Jarrett was at the Campbell the same time we were. He was, he's a, he's a fifth group guy. Uh, but I think he's he's down in Tampa right now. Still in? He is. He is. Um, you know, my advice to all the groups, always go to your reunions. Do not skip. Um, you know, every, every reunion I've been to, it's, you know, I was with the wrestlers the whole time. Um, Shots fired at Rudy Chalednik. He just missed his... Uh... 10-year reunion. Shame. Always go. Super. The, they're awesome. In fact, I don't go back enough. So uh, definitely, definitely uh, an awesome, an awesome, uh, an awesome experience going back for your reunion. So no, no matter how you felt about the place as a cadet, that's over. Um, and, 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 and the common reaction, the common change in emotional disposition towards you know, your rockbound Highland home is all of a sudden like you love it. And all you do, all you do is remember the good stuff. So uh, I definitely say that, especially for the army wrestlers, right. You know, cause we have, we have a bond that's uh, quite unique amongst all the other people that go there. So other than that, you know, guys, I've had a good time being on. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. This was uh, a lot of fun. Cause, yeah, I was like, I was like, man, we're going to, this is, this is going to be a, uh... No, a long one. This is a good, this is a great episode, really. I, I want to like do a part two at some point later on and dive into some of the other things, but you know, we don't want our listeners to, we need, we need this, this is going to be a sustainable podcast for the next uh, 50 years or so. So we got to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for your service. Appreciate all that you've done um, and continue to do. And, and congratulations on retiring soon. It's a big milestone. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And thanks for giving me, you know, that that salad sticking out of the back of your hat, your hat. It gave me it gave me something to laugh at while I was uh while I was talking. So the motivation for you here in October. <laughs> awesome. No, no. It was great to have you on. And yeah, uh yeah, thanks a lot. For, uh, for all the listeners out there, you know, appreciate you listening in. And this is a, you know, had a lot of fun tonight. All right, All right, be Navy. Be Navy. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, 
Reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.